the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. So in the Mosaic Law, there, one of the ways that the priests were supported, okay, uh, they had no inheritance of their own, if you recall. And so they didn't get land, they didn't get farms, this kind of thing. They were supported by the tithe. Now, I'm not telling you that applies the same way today. Please don't do that. Okay, I'm telling you what the scripture... So he calls upon Israel again to give again so the priest can do the priestly task. And that's in 2 Chronicles 31, 4 through 19. So much so that they had heaps left over. That's the word, heaps. I say extra. Okay, but they had more than enough. And so they actually had to build storehouses to store the extra in. In 2 Chronicles 31, 20 and 21 says this, And Hezekiah did this throughout Judah. He did what was good, right, and true before the Lord his God. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God in the law and in the commandment, seeking his God, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. <clears throat> See, all, all the other kings still did right, but not quite all the way. I, whether it was public opinion, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. But it was one of the arguments, if you recall, the division of the kingdoms to start with. is too far for you to go to Jerusalem. Uh, why don't we build another place to worship over here? That hasn't been said of a king in Judah or Israel, for quite a long time. It tells us this in several different places that he prospered. Now, I'm going to be honest. My opinion is what it means in prosper is he prospered in all those things that he did in seeking God. It doesn't necessarily mean he got a new car every year. Matter of fact, you'll see next week, yeah, he's prospering so well until Jerusalem's besieged uh, by Shemineser the... So, so before you want to think of it in a modern idea of prosper, the context that I said, and all that he did related to pursuing God, doing what God had prescribed for Israel to do. A couple things that I draw out of this. If he's going to do everything that was prescribed in the law of Moses, he had to know it. He comes in, power, becomes king at 25, 
And immediately he starts these reforms as per the law of Moses. You know what that means? He had to know it before he got in. He didn't wait till God put him in a place, a position, a title, or a role, and then decided, well, you know, since I got this role, maybe I want to seek God's word on that. He already knew it when he walked into office. And that word, I would suggest to you, just is what the word does. The next thing he does is cleanses and purifies. I would suggest to you, perhaps, that's why some people, or a lot of people, don't read God's word. Because it'll tell you what to get out of your temple. It'll tell you where it's been wrong and where you need to get it right. But that cleansing, that purifying process. Third, he consecrates. Consecrate, to set apart, um, to devote to, to dedicate to. Okay? He says, wait a minute. Some things are God's and God's alone. And those things that are his are set aside. Even the Levites, which were a group set aside, and you've heard me talk about this before, God always has a divine portion that's his. Even among all of Israel, he had a tribe that was his. And this was consecrated to him. What God says is mine, don't touch. Fourth, he was faithful. And you say, what? Where does he see that? Well, he got back to doing those things God said to do repeatedly, habitually, continually. Or, as I said, in Exodus through Leviticus, you see a lasting ordinance, or in a modern version, perpetual. These things, Passover, you do every year, you don't get another option. You're supposed to be a lasting ordinance. They got away from that. This is what you do on the Sabbath. You do these things and you do it this way. He, they, he began, says, no, we got to get back to being faithful to those things in which God says we're supposed to do all the time. Continually. And those we talked about already, whether it's the tithe or the sacrifices, the Passover, the holy days and so on. All these things had to be done before they worshiped. So think about it again. He knew God's word what to do. He purified and cleansed. He consecrated, got back to the things they were supposed to be faithful to, then they worshiped. I, I would suggest to you that sometimes the way reason worship may not, this is corporate worship we're talking about, isn't quite what it should be because we've skipped something. I hope when you get up, I'm going to jump ahead of myself. I'll wait. I find it interesting that this is another one of those times what we would say is spiritual revival, renewal in Israel. I would suggest to you the church always needs revival or reformation. Why? Because life happens. You get busy raising kids, going to work, doing the things of life, and the spiritual things can be pushed off to the side, and we always need those times, personal revival and corporate revival or renewal. But there, you can never have that without a passion and a focus on God's word. If Hezekiah didn't know God's word, there sure wouldn't have been any kind of spiritual renewal. Now, maybe you're not students of church history, and that's okay, all right? But I tend to like that stuff. But the last four books I've read was written before 400 A.D. Okay, that's just me. I know that. 
all right? But along the way, you get to see these things as you read these old or ancient things and see the movements of God that happen throughout church history. Whether it's American history, European history, wherever it is where the Western civilization encountered Christianity, there's always, always a revival and focus on the Word of God. Martin Luther is reading Romans, and it talks about the righteousness of God, and the light comes on. I mean, righteousness of God. It's his righteousness. It's not mine. Martin Luther spent his life trying to make his righteousness in some way, make him worthy of God, of the cross. And the light comes on one day when he's in the... Now, he's teaching Romans, and he comes across... Wait a minute. It's, there was a divine exchange, he figured out. How many of you will celebrate Thanksgiving this year? Thank Martin Luther. What? Yes, because the pilgrims, the Puritans that came to the United States from Geneva to England to the United States with their Geneva Bibles, those Puritans wouldn't have been there without the Protestant Reformation. There is no America. There is no Thanksgiving without the Reformation. But I bet you all you can tell me the story of Thanksgiving just tell me, why were those Puritans here? Why were they in Geneva before they went into England? They came from Geneva to catch the boat, and England came over. All right. It was somebody grabbed hold of God's word. Okay? And I could do the same thing of the Welsh revivals, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening in the United States. The word of God is always central to spiritual renewal. Then that call to purification or cleansing, let me put it in New Testament terms. Repentance. Get rid of the junk. I would suggest that perhaps Saturday night, Sunday morning, you get your feet out of bed on Sunday morning, you're getting ready for church. It'd be a good time for repentance. You're going to have a hard time reaching into the presence of God and blessing His name and worship, that repentance just sort of puts you in the right place and makes you recognize that the only reason you have access to the presence of God is the work of Christ. And unless you're perfect, you probably always got something to repent about. Maybe you're better than I am at living this life, Christian walk, because I have to be in a constant place of repentance. Not just because of my actions, but because of my thoughts. If I looked around, I haven't done that, but if I looked around, who's not here today? Be careful. I could start judging them in my head. Well, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, well, they should, you know, they just missed too much. And next thing, I've got a bad ad, so I, you know what I got to do about that? I got to repent about that. And you go, well, that's not a big deal, Pastor. That's not like, it's still sin. Now, it doesn't mean that if I don't repent, somehow I've lost my salvation or walked away from it. Don't do that to me. If you want to wonder about that one, come to Wednesday night Bible class and we'll talk about that. Focus and a passion for the Word of God and repentance. With that, I would call it a sub-point, is an eagerness to serve. When spiritual renewal comes, you ain't begging for volunteers. Yes, I used bad English. Ain't. All right? You're not, you're not begging for volunteers when God's doing something. 
And I'll give you an example. And you've heard me quote it before because King Uzziah, Isaiah is alive during this time. King Uzziah dies in the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord hiding left. And you got this vision of God. And what's the thing? God, he recognizes his sin in the presence of God. I live among, a, I am a man of unclean lips and I'm, I'm among a people of unclean lips, right? The idea of purification from the altar, the coals come, touch his lips, right? And God says, huh, like he didn't know. Man, I, I need to send someone over here. I wonder who I could send. When Isaiah got in the presence of God, recognized that he needed the repentance, the purification. Send me! I'll go, I'll go. No arm twisting involved. That's just a side. Now, I'm not going to say it's one of those things you got to do for revival to come. It's just one of those things that comes from it. But then, then the other thing I would suggest to you uh, when spiritual renewal is that consecration. Recognize there's certain things that belong to God. Now, some of us are old enough to remember those laws that were in our culture that no business was open on Sunday. Anybody else remember that? So in those days, it was expected that there was a day that was consecrated. Is that in Scripture? It's something Jesus kept the Sabbath, a day consecrated to the Lord. Sabbath does not mean seven. Please don't do that to me. It means to stop, stop deceased. Rest. So, so just in that a day when their spiritual renewal and the time comes for the body of Christ to gather in whatever that looks like in that time of spiritual renewal, there's a consecration of just day. And like the example here, there's not a shortage of resources because people consecrate resources, whether it's time, whether it's money or so on, to that kind of thing. They began to set aside parts of their life strictly for the purpose of acknowledging God's right to them. And he has that right. He has the right to all of it, whatever that is. But he got to remember, in Israel, in the times of Moses, and, and when they first come in the promised land, you actually consecrated your firstborn to the Lord. Okay, God, my, my boy, he's in your hands. Whatever you want for him, you got him. My agenda don't matter what you got for him. That should, you should be able to connect that with New Testament, that typology with the New Testament and Christ. If, if, anyway. So there's a passion to focus on God's word. There's that call to purification, to repentance, that consecration. Let me put those two things in one word, holiness. Every spiritual renewal that I could study in church history always had a call for holiness. And behavior and things consecrated, every one of them. Matter of fact, one of the great movements in the United States was called the Holiness Movement. Like most things, though, we tend to take them too far, and it eventually got there. But the other thing I think that you will find is that faithfulness develops in times of spiritual renewal. So, so I, I grew up in, in the church, or I didn't make me a Christian just because I grew up in the church, all right? But I grew up in the church, and there were the, the gray-haired saints, you know, that you swear walked on water, you know, they had a direct line to God when they prayed, all right? But I'll tell you what, if they were missing from their seat, you knew something was wrong. If they weren't at a prayer meeting, something wasn't right. 
They understood the steadfast, and I put that in context of going to church because you all can relate that. I don't know all the things in each one of your personal lives, okay? But that steadfast, I'm going to do those things which God has called me to do, whether I feel like it in the morning. Old sister, so that's what we called them in those days, brothers and sister. They still do that when I travel to Asia, okay? Sister so-and-so with that great hair. If you, if you got hold of her at 6 o'clock in the morning, she ain't answering her phone because she was on her knees every day at 6 o'clock in the morning. He was in his word every day. Be, yeah, don't, don't, don't come by because he's in his word. And they, they understood the steadfast faithful, what that produces in them. Now let's get real. You praying every day and reading your Bible every day don't change God. He is immutable. He does not change. It transforms you. And I'm going to use an illustration most of you have heard. I understand that, but not everybody who watches or listens knows the illustration. As most of you know, I didn't drink coffee, and Heather's always amazed because I sort of made fun of the people that had to have their coffee. All right? But when I started going to Asia, they'd give me these little packets of something called three-in-one. You wouldn't even call it coffee. Okay, it's this mix, and you'd mix it with the water. And... But when we got out into the highways, byways, and villages, and I could remember uh, sitting on the porch, if you want to call it that, of this house in Kempong Sri Lao, Cambodia, right across the river from Lao. And we were drinking this stuff on the front porch of this fellow, young fellow who had just come to Christ. He's now the pastor there, eating sticky rice. But why would I drink it? I would drink it because the water was boiled and I didn't want to offend my host. Couple trips, I come back and I say to the wife, uh, honey, you know, you know what I'd really like? What's that, dear? Coffee. Why? You don't like coffee. I know I don't like coffee. But because this consistent, regular doing it two to three times a day while I was over in Asia, I came back and my body goes, hey, hey, some of that powdery, yucky stuff. You want some of that? No, I had to adapt. American coffee is different, than, so it's a little bitter, and I had to change all that. And you see me before church, my mug sitting right there. I'm addicted to it like everybody else. <laughs> but I couldn't tell you I like coffee. I got used to it. There are things that prayer, that Bible reading, personal worship, you just keep doing it. And the day you miss it, you'll be in your car on your own to work. Something's not right today. You know what I really want? Oh, prayer. I didn't get that today. Be consistent in those steadfast, faithful things. I would suggest to you, many of the saints, the old saints, as we used to call them, that you admire and you say, I wish I could pray like, I wish I knew scripture like, I wish I could be as solid as. Maybe, I'll bet if you track their life, they're pretty consistent and faithful in those things that God says you do these things perpetually, continually, habitually. There's two things Scripture says that Christ did habitually. Anybody know what those are? Prayer, and what was the other one? Church, I mean, for his day, the synagogue. He did those habitually, all right? He didn't have to memorize the word. He was the word, okay? Made flesh, so that's a little different, all right? But those steadfast things, when there's spiritual renewal, there is always more than one doing that. And the spiritual renewal brings about in people that consistent, steadfast doing that. I'm going to brag on my wife a minute. She's not here, so I can do that without embarrassing her. So I'm up before she is, and I'm sitting on the couch, and, and, and 
We got three couches there in the front room, and I got my Bible up and reading. I know, here she comes. First thing she's doing, there's that spot on the other couch where she puts out her devotional, and she's got three devotionals she does every day and her Bible. That steadfast thing. So anybody idea what my kids do? I got a picture of my 13-year-old son I took just recently. He's still in his blanket from his bed. Literally. On the couch, laying there, reading his Bible. Gee, I wonder where he got that from. And I'm not going to take credit. I'm going to give Mama the credit because Dad's off and busy and out to the house by the time he's up. There is something about being steadfast. There's just something about it. But it's just those things that often people you, you admire in Christ and their walk. Mm, you might want to watch what they do. And those of you that are going, oh, don't watch me. All right. But the other thing here, and you see it also in great spiritual awakenings throughout church history, is increased and renewed participation in worship. Go look how many songs the Wesley boys wrote. Known as the Wesleyness Holiness Movement. Go look at the revivals and see how many hymns came out of those. This bothers some people. I know that. But the Jesus movement, which, you know, it had its struggles. But many, many people I know came to Christ during what we call the Jesus movement in the 60s. There were sure a lot of songs came out of that. Whether you like them or not, that's not what I'm asking. Why? Because when you really are in the place where you're seeking God every day, it's part of your life where you've consecrated things to him, okay? Where you're doing those things, you want to be in his presence. You, they can't keep you out of it. And it might be that, you know, we get to live a little fat and happy in the United States. You know, we've got all kinds of other distractions, but you've heard me tell this before as well. When I travel, there'll be people walk miles, by boat miles, so they can get together with other people to worship. When there is spiritual renewal, revival, whatever term you want to call it, there's always a renewed passion for true worship. Now, I may define that and I'll end. Worship. Christocentric, theocentric worship. What do I mean by that? Christo Christ, Theo God, it's all about Him. Not about you. It's not about the emotions it invokes in you. I don't argue that. It'll evoke emotions. Right? It's not about all the things you can do for him. And the songs and the way. It's about him. There, there is, you look at the songs that were written in true spiritual awakenings, you will find a theme. One of them is the holiness of God. Two, the cross of Christ. Now, the worship team sort of makes fun of me because, well, if it's a song about the cross, pastor will like it, okay? Uh, because for me, that just, it moves me to think about what Christ did for me. I love the songs when we sing about the holiness of God. That's, that's what worship's about. It's not a, about what he does for me daily. It's about who he is and the cross of Christ. 
I'd ask you, would you, do you have a heart, especially, I know, I think a lot of people with the election, the way it went, oh, no, well, there goes any chance of spiritual awakening in our country. Maybe you didn't think that, but I think some people have. How do I know? Because I've seen the Facebook post. All right? But I'm telling you, presidents, congressmen, and judges don't bring spiritual renewal in a country. The church does. The people sitting in the pew, that's going to determine the spiritual direction of our country, not our president. And you've heard a thousand times. If my people called by my name, who? who? Who's that? Oh, if Congress and the president and the judges would, nope. Now, come on, we all want godly leaders, the Bible tells us, so we can live in peace, right? I understand that. But where our country goes spiritually is in the hands of the people sitting in the pews. That's where the answer is. Well, the answer is in God. But the answer is, if we get our hearts back onto God, where we're consecrating, where we're repenting, and so on, when that happens, it doesn't matter what they do in China, the church will grow. Because God will build his church. Then we need to have our hearts, our minds, and our lives set on him, how he wants it done, what he's called us to do, and his word. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word. Even these stories from thousands of years from before now, we see as you call a man to be an example to a people, to lead them into spiritual renewal. God, I pray that you awaken your church to your word. Give them a passion for it, O oh God, that they would no longer be worried about how many are in the pews. But the content of the preaching will matter. Amen. God, that we'd be willing to consecrate to you all kinds of things and times and stuff in our lives that we recognize it's yours, it's not ours. That we would repent. We would learn to be faithful in the daily things of you. God, I know that you desire to show yourself to your people. Father, I pray that the healing of our country start in the church. To you then, O oh God, will be all the glory forever. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org 
forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.